I'm Brian Barnett. I'm just a regular guy. I'm not a doctor. I have no legal license in any field of psychology. But I did live a large part of my life with borderline personality disorder unknowingly. And I really did rid myself of the disorder completely and permanently. Through that, I've become an expert on issues involving emotional health. I accept no responsibility whatsoever for your feelings, thoughts, behaviors, decisions, and actions, including your decision to watch or listen to this show at all. But I do hope you might benefit yourself from the insights I share. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom Podcast. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host of The Last Symptom. It's real nice to have you back with me. It's uh, late on a Friday night for me. I had a lot going on in my personal life, a lot of things going on, a lot of obligations and those sorts of things, but I didn't want to let another week go by without a new episode. So we're here and, uh, you know, I'm giving up my movie time giving up my movie time tonight to have this conversation with you and so so I hope you're all doing fine out there wherever you're at you uh, should really consider joining us over on our exclusive online community that's on locals the locals platform and you can join us by going to the last symptom locals.com or you can download the really spiffy uh, locals.com app from the app store and then join us by searching the last symptom by Brian Barnett the reason why I say that is because I'm on there every day and on Mondays I do exclusive live scri- live streams to our group so if you're feeling like you're missing out on uh, the weekly episodes of this podcast you know for many years it was every week like clockwork there was a new episode of this show and now it's every other week and my goodness old bratty boy back here my my pup just let a stinker and it is burning the hairs out of my nostrils i'll tell you whoo boy holy mackerel bratty what in the tarnation have you been eating I make my eyes water. Whew. <laughs> I hope that's the last one for a while. Goodness gracious. Ah. So anyway, yeah, for many years it was uh, every week, like clockwork. New episodes of this show. Now it's every other week. Just because there's so much information in the bank. But also because I've gone to doing these, these live streams uh, every week on Monday for our community members. And uh, so that kind of takes the place of, of the missing uh, episode of the show. Anyway, getting off on tr- It is late. My brain ain't particularly working as well as it might have been working, let's say, five hours ago. So we'll, but we'll get through this. Let's talk about humility for a second. We're going to talk about, I'll tell you what we're going to talk about this week. We're going to talk about humility and we're going to talk about sabotaging behaviors and then if we have some more time after that uh, we will discuss some other things but humility 
Humility is personally one of my favorite qualities that human beings can possess. I remember years ago seeing a, a painting done by Alex Ross and he painted a picture of Superman among some animals and Superman was like being like tenderly petting a, an animal one of these animals it was like a horse and there were some other animals in the picture but um, the reason why I thought the painting is so fantastic is that it displays humility super Superman this being of incredible power um, demonstrating humility and I've always really been drawn to that the idea of somebody very capable and brilliant and strong and uh, very manly or powerful at the same time demonstrating humility because it's a it's one of those qualities that no matter who you are you can be drawn to that but but that contrast the contrast of great power of somebody who would who would have every reason not to demonstrate the quality of humility demonstrating the quality of humility anyway and um, so it's just been always been appealing to me of course I think about Jesus Christ more knowledgeable than than anybody who's ever lived granted powers beyond our comprehension and yet a very humble person uh, so there's that contrast again but anyway it's a quality that I, I really admire and then not long ago I had somebody say to me yeah, can you take some uh, constructive criticism and I said sure give it to me and that person said to me why don't you uh, think think more about humility <laughs> and uh, I told him that I told him that humility is the quality that I most admire and that I most try to emulate. But I said, you know, there is a difference between uh, humility and then just letting people walk all over you, you know. So think about Superman. Think about Jesus Christ. Neither one of these people just let anybody just walk right all over them, you know. Um, I know that a lot of people have that idea of Jesus Christ, but there are accounts about Jesus Christ where he did not just tolerate anything or just you know allow people to walk all over him in the end he did of course but that was because uh, he had to to fulfill Bible prophecy and to you know offer a sacrifice for us and the reason let's say it's appropriate for me to bring up Jesus Christ especially is because you know just celebrated the uh, the Lord's evening meal the other night and so that's on a lot of people's minds but, you know, think about that. There is a difference between humility and weakness or humility and just letting people walk all over you. He said, well, get, give it some thought anyway. So I left and uh, I, I was thinking about that all evening long. Humility. And it was stinging. It was stinging that this person had given me advice that seemed to me to be so uninsightful so ignorant I thought I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty humble person I'm a pretty humble person but then I kept thinking about it I thought about it some more and I thought about it some more and I 
thought about it some more. And uh, I asked myself, is there something about me that this person is able to see that, I, that I'm blind to? Well, let's find out. So I called and I asked him. I said, maybe there's something that you're seeing or picking up on that I'm just completely blind to. And, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to explore this a little bit. Where am I going at with this conversation of humility? Well, in my audience, I know a lot of yous, just like in my case, because of our, the emotional disorders that we've lived with uh, many times completely unknowingly, uh, the emotional disorders have contributed, haven't they, to us hurting a lot of people. If not a lot of people, people who are important to us. Ain't that true? It's just the two things go hand in hand. Having an emotional disorder and people around us getting hurt and us being the, the causes of that hurt. But there's another thing going on too, isn't there? What's that? It's the fact that we've been hurt. And who have we been hurt by? And um, in this work that we're doing uh, around recovery, what is uh, something that we have to analyze and spend a lot of time thinking about? Isn't it the, the injustices that we've suffered by our own parents and people within our families? And remember in the past I've said that it's at the beginning you, maybe you don't even know that you suffered an injustice. You, you don't identify your parents as being responsible for passing on the unhealthy attitudes that, that you adopted that have led to all this emotional disorder. But isn't it true that once you begin, let's say, learning from the last symptom and you begin to see that, and you say, well, that's, that's not really fair. It's not really fair that these grown adults, while I was an innocent child, hurt me emotionally in that way or you know, taught me painful falsehoods about life and about the nature of self, the nature of feelings, that ultimately led to such pain in my life and led to me hurting so many people. And you think about how unjust that is. So you see what I'm saying? There's two injustices happening in diff from different directions, right? There's the ones we've suffered. And, and what I was about to say is that once you start going through recovery, at first you're like, yeah, that, that's not really that fair. Well, at first you don't even probably even realize that your parents did these things to you. So then the more you start investigating it and the more open you are to investigating these these underlying causes for the emotional issues that that we've all struggled with you begin to to understand that okay well it come from them it was a great injustice and that's just not fair and you think well maybe that's the the end of it nope the more you investigate the more you realize that your understanding of the injustice it just barely scratches the surface the, the, the injustice is of such enormity and of such seriousness that it's, it's way beyond what you initially even suspected. 
And then you, you do more research, or you, you do more learning, right? You do more growing emotionally, getting to the root of these things. And it never lessens, like as you go along, the, the gravity of the injustice that you've suffered never is less than you suspected. The more you learn, the more you realize the gravity of that just keeps growing and growing and growing, and doesn't it? So that's that's one part of it. Then in the other direction, why are you here? Why are you even watching this show or listening to this show? It's it's available on YouTube, by the way, in uh, video format. Also on Rumble, I highly recommend. Rumble's coming a long way, and their their apps and everything are getting real nice. But you're probably here because um, of consequences. You've hurt somebody, your life has fallen apart because of your own choices and stuff. And in that process, you've hurt a lot of people or you've hurt some people who really did not deserve it. You've treated them in just terrible ways, terribly selfish and self-absorbed ways that they definitely have not deserved. So you see the two types that I'm talking about, right? One coming from you, then turning around and looking back at your past, the injustices that you have suffered. So when I was talking to this fellow about humility, I said, well, you know, tell me what you're, you're seeing that I'm not getting. He said, you talk a lot about <clears throat> the injustices that you have suffered, and that seems to be kind of the overwhelming <clears throat> focus of things when you talk about your dad in the past and stuff like that and you know if I I think I've told you if, if I get to talking about my dad for a long enough period of time it affects me it affects me still for a week uh, and I've told you how I handle that the way I handle that is I I know the effect that it's going to have on me so I will clear some things off my schedule or um, I'll say to people around me listen I I've some past things about my dad are, are still knocking around inside of my head and, and bothering me. So if I'm, uh, if I seem to be short with you or anything like that, I, I just want you to know it's not you. It's just something that it's, uh, it's bothering me internally. So it does bother me, and yes, I do talk about it. And yes, especially in the the context of recovery, you know, it's something that it's something that you just have to work with it's just something you have to really work with and and understand if you're going to progress but he says you know it seems like that's your focus a lot and you emphasize that a lot and i said well yeah yeah i, I do i still don't know what you're getting at he says well let, let's talk about it this way he said think about all the people you hurt in your past you know, your ex-wife, all the friends you let down, all the people you betrayed. And granted, it was because of things you were sorting out. But he said, these people that you haven't had, any haven't had contact with for like a decade now or more, imagine if they were to find out how good life is going for you right now. What if they were to find out that thousands of people listening to, are listening to you, maybe admire you, maybe think only of you as a great guy, but in their minds, you know, these people that you've heard in the past, the, the, uh, the pain that they have suffered 
might seem like yesterday to them. And they might still be suffering from, from what you did to them. Now think about how they might feel to find out that your life is going pretty good. A lot of people like you. A lot of people don't know you as that guy. They, they know you as, as, a, as a new guy. How do you think they'd feel? And something clicked inside of me when he said that. I realized that in order for my life to improve and for me to be experiencing blessings, you know, who wants to live a life of just be, being surrounded by people who hate you? Nobody wants that. And I enjoy that this work has brought me the admiration of so many people. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a really nice thing. But in order for me to experience that, what has to happen? The people I wronged in the past must be put into a situation where they might feel like they are suffering a great injustice because of it. You see what I'm getting at? Think about somebody who has really wronged you, really wronged you in serious ways, and think about the injustice you would feel of everybody around that person, just loving them, thinking they're great, and thinking they're wonderful and everything. That hurts, doesn't it? It really hurts. I know it hurts because I grew up with my father that way. And there we go. We're back to my father. People today, they still think he's just, they've, they've always lived believing that he's just the most wonderful guy in the entire world. And that was not my experience, was it? Is that, do I view that as an injustice? I sure do. I sure do. And that stings. Whenever somebody comes up to me and says, hey, I know your dad. He's a great guy. It, that kills me. It kills me. It makes me so angry. And I feel like it's so unjust that I go off and it bothers me for weeks afterwards. In the meantime, life's going pretty good for me. Now, can I stop focusing on the injustice that I believe that I'm experiencing when people believe good things about my father and instead focus back on myself and think about the people who I've wronged in the past and the injustice that they might feel knowing uh, life's going pretty good for me right now that people think good things of me yeah, that's not their experience. Now granted, I've done a lot of work and I've made a lot of changes, a lot of really deep and permanent changes. I've rid myself of my emotional disorder. I've earned their forgiveness. And remember, I've talked in the past about how the important thing is not whether or not they actually give me, ever extend their forgiveness to me. The important thing is I've met the conditions to earn it, should they ever choose to give it to me. So the, the circumstances are not um, apples to apples, right? My, my dad has not done that work. Uh, 
But at the same time, if I'm just all the time caught up in the fury of how unjust it is for folks to think good things about my dad, instead of turning that inward and saying, yeah, but Barnett, uh, you, you, you're in a situation where there might be a lot of people who feel that way about you. That would be a lack of humility, wouldn't it? And it has been a lack of my humility. You might hear the birds in the background. They're, uh, they're out here with me again. And so they're going to be chirping away. Because it's so late, they should be asleep. But I've got a bunch of lights on in here so that you can all see me. Now here's what I want to say about my father. The, the more I think about it, the more I realize that <clears throat> really working hard to let go of resentment is the answer. Now, a lot of people talk about that as forgiveness. That's, I'll tell you why that's not forgiveness. Because letting go of resentment does not mean that you don't continue to live with boundaries, to enforce consequences and conditions. All I'm talking about here is resentment, the feeling of intense anger over an injustice. And what will help me let go of that resentment? Humility. The thing that I thought I did not lack any did not lack in at all. And this person outside of me, who was very astute, by the way very astute to pick up on that and to help me see that humility thinking about the fact that there might be a lot of folks out there who resent me resent me and <clears throat> not unfairly but fairly they fairly resent me and I wish they didn't I wish they knew just how remorseful I am over the past and all of the effort that I've put in to uh, to make things right and the really incredible hurdles I've overcome and the different person that I now am but they still fairly if they if they feel resentment toward me they, they do that fairly so me keeping that in mind can help me let go of the resentment that I have for my father because you see it's a teeter-totter it's a teeter-totter we always come back to that teeter-totter don't we yes I was wronged very unfairly very unjustly but oh hey wait a second no less so than what I've done to other people at earlier times in my life and I would sure love for them to not hang on to resentment and maybe I can then do that for my dad, for other people, so on and so forth. But I want to emphasize, I am not saying here that forgiveness in the sense of, well, dad, just forget everything, no consequences, no conditions, nothing. We can just have a uh, go back to a, a relationship now. You haven't shown any remorse or anything like that but we can just have a relationship anyway I'm not talking about forgiveness in that sense 
I'm talking about letting go of resentment. And, you know, we've talked about forgiveness in the past. I think we need to revisit that here soon because forgiveness, that term, represents two entirely different things. Two entirely different things that could be classified as forgiveness, but also a third thing that people think forgiveness is, which it absolutely is not. But we could go into a lot more detail nowadays than we have in the past about that. But for now, um, I'm going to avoid using the word forgiveness when I'm talking about letting go of resentment. I'm simply talking about letting go of resentment because you see that we're all out there hurting people. <laughs> Everybody's hurting everybody at some time or another. You know, Part of it is due to emotional issues and part of it is due to the human condition. All right, let's talk about sabotaging. You know what sabotaging is? Sabotaging is like you're going to go on vacation with your family. Oh my gosh. Braddy just let another bomb slide. I, I heard it. And that's going to hit me here any second now. I tell you what. <laughs> it was so bad the last time. I'm surprised I survived it. Unfortunately, I've got my bandana here. <laughs> I'll just tie this around my face real quick. Oh, man, because that, <clears throat> that was horrible. <laughs> All right, this is just temporary. Uh, let's see, sabotaging. All right, so you're going to go on vacation with your family, right? And let's say that uh, you're worried in the lead up to the vacation because you say to yourself, I want my family to have a great time, but I know, I just know, I'm going to ruin it. I'm going to ruin it. I'm going to get jealous. I'm going to get impatient. I'm going to get angry. I'm going to lose my temper. I'm going to act like a complete jerk. And it's going to ruin this, what could be, this beautiful experience and memory with my family. I'm going to ruin it for them all. And then the only thing that's going to happen after that, the only way they're going to remember that, is negatively. They're always going to remember what a jerk dad was or what a jerk mom was. That's one uh, form of sabotaging. <laughs> Gosh, it's coming up even underneath this bandana. I'll tell you what, man. Oh, <laughs> he's, uh, he's 13 now. And uh, I'll tell you what, <laughs> uh, the farts that come out of the butt of a 13-year-old dog <laughs> smell a lot worse than the ones that come out of a little puppy butt. You know, it's like puppy breath. When they're little puppies, their breath smells so great. Kind of sweet, almost. But when they get to be six, seven years old, you don't really want them licking you in the mouth, do you? So sabotaging, that's kind of what we're talking about. That's, that's one form of it. Well, let's talk about why it happens. What, what causes this sabotaging behavior, the sabotaging fears and sabotaging behavior? We've been talking a lot about the nature of worth lately haven't we 
Well, as you know, if you've been listening for a while, there are two different uh, distinct value system types in life. There's the commercial value system type, and then there's the inherent value system type. In the commercial value system, value is born from what people think. That's That's the simple way of saying it. Value is born from what people think. Think about this. Even the money in your pocket, even the value of the money that we use is completely born from what people think. Yeah, if you have a dollar bill in your pocket right now, why why is that paper, that little you know, rectangle paper worth a dollar? Because of what people think. That's that's where its value comes from. Um, and you know, it's interesting. Most of us don't even use uh, cash anymore. We're we're turning into a cashless society, aren't we? I never carry cash. Uh, I do everything with a my phone or with a debit cards or you know credit cards stuff like that. How much money is on my my debit card? I mean, how much value does that debit card have? When I take that little square plastic debit card to the store, how much stuff will they let me take home with me? Well, it all depends on what people think, doesn't it? There, there's no inherent value to it at all. There's no inherent amount of money attached to that to that card. It's all in our imaginations, isn't it? Yeah, it's all just digital numbers on a computer somewhere. That's all it is. And so it's completely born of what people think. Problems arise when we apply the nature of this type of value system to people. Because that's not the way people value works. Now, something interesting happens when we apply the commercial value system type to people. Number one, person in, uh, lives the whole life, their whole life loathing himself or herself. Why is that? Because remember in the commercial value system, the thing itself does not possess any value. The only value that exists is in what people think. When you apply that reasoning to a person, and that's what unhealthy people do unknowingly, unconsciously they do that. So they're not consciously aware that they view themselves as worthless. But on some level, they are conscious of it. On some level, they are conscious of it. Did an episode, I think back last summer, about the uh, the model who committed suicide. And of course, what did that come down to? You, you could see it in her writings. She she was so close to figuring it out but she didn't figure it out the thing is is that she had all these accolades she had all these achievements all this education all these she had accomplished so much and yet she still felt empty why did she still feel feel empty because she believed the commercial value system type applies to people so what was her whole drive in life it was to earn worth in what form? In the form of what other people think. But even when you get 
you know, have great accomplishments and everything, and everybody is providing you that in the form of what they think, their admiration and whatever, a person still feels empty. Why do they still feel empty? Well, because of what I just said. Unconsciously, they know what that whole formula necessarily means, that they themselves are worthless. The only thing of value is in what other people think, but you yourself possess none. You possess none. So even if you got all the whole world celebrating you, if you live on that belief system that you don't possess inherent value, that the only value that exists is in what people think, well then, again, I cannot stress enough that the person is not consciously aware of this at all, but they are aware of it nonetheless it's on an unconscious level they and that's what causes the person to feel empty because they know they know quote unquote that they're worthless based on that whole belief system so in order for that to change the entire belief system has to be torn down and rebuilt rebuilt with what with the other belief system type or the other value system type which is the inherent value system and it fixes everything Nobody walks around feeling empty when they uh, live applying the inherent value system type to people. Just real quick, I'll say that the, in the inherent value system type, the thing itself does produce the value. And it doesn't matter what people think. So the commercial value system has its place. You know, it has its place with our money the things we buy, anything in the commercial world. Uh, but it does not work with human beings. That it only creates problems when you apply the wrong value system type to the wrong thing. So, now you understand why this leads to loathing oneself. Because you view yourself on some level as being without worth, without value of your own. And so what happens when you loathe yourself? Is that a pleasant experience? A while back I gave a, an example of being locked in a tiny windowless office with a workmate that you cannot stand. And you have to spend every day with this person locked in this tiny office with this moron that drives you nuts all day long every day well guess what the office partner is you yeah that's right when you're unhealthy and you live with that belief system that unhealthy belief system you are locked in with yourself every day <laughs> the difference is at five o'clock or six o'clock you don't get to leave that person behind the person is stuck with you all the time and that's infuriating, isn't it? So you gotta imagine that the unhealthy person is always living with that buildup, that build, that frustration building up, building up, building up, building up. That's where the, oh my gosh, I'm gonna ruin this for everybody, fear comes in. Because the person knows, the unhealthy person knows that given enough time, they will reach their limit as far as their frustration with himself or herself goes 
they're going to snap and they're going to take it off take it out on people who don't deserve it aren't they number two acting this misunderstanding about the nature of human worth leads to acting why does it lead to acting well think about it a worthless person cannot reveal his or her worthlessness to other people because of why are they going to love you and celebrate you and want to be around you no they're going to want to be away from you they're not going to want anything to do with you so there's no other alternative for the unhealthy person except to act and what are they acting they're acting uh, they're they're assuming a personality or or a character playing a character that they believe is is more likable so if you view yourself as a as worthless then what you'll do is you will act a role that you think people will accept will be accepted of and will not view as worthless so you don't want them to see your real self you want them to see this character that you're playing all the time there are professional actors who get paid to act do they do it 24 hours a day no they don't you know why because it's exhausting it's exhausting so think about the fact that unhealthy people who are essentially doing the job of a professional actor they just can never turn it off as long as they're around other people how exhausting that is it's very exhausting so we've, we've talked about two things right loathing yourself and the, the buildup of frustration from that we've also talked about acting an unhealthy person is always acting they have to as long as they're around other people now what happens when you agree to a situation or an event or something like that where you know you're going to be stuck with people for a really long period of time maybe a road trip or a vacation or a party that's going to drag on for seven eight hours you think to yourself my gosh that's a lot of acting I'm gonna wear out there too aren't you yeah first of all you're gonna wear out because you cannot the buildup of frustration from being stuck with yourself all the time somebody that drives you nuts you you can't that's unsustainable but then the other unsustainable thing is what acting acting and not wearing yourself completely to death um, to exhaustion for very long periods of time you know that that will exhaust you and wear out and then you're gonna do what you're gonna take it out on people who don't deserve it right here's an interesting thing to think about the acting that we're talking about involves a persona or a character that is not abusive or mean right so the acting by its nature involves trying not to be abusive or mean for long periods of time here's the interesting thing I want you to take into consideration healthy people don't have to try not to be abusive I remember saying this to uh, somebody who took the last symptom fundamentals course the live course 
And he said, so, can you say that again? It really caught his attention. And I know why it caught his, caught his attention. Because he realized in that moment that he's always trying not to be abusive. <clears throat> That's what the unhealthy person is always trying to do. It's commendable to try not to be abusive, but but it's a failing strategy. Why is it a failing strategy? Because you have to find out why, where that's coming from, and fix it at the roots. You know, so that you don't even have a desire to be abusive. You don't have any that tendency at all. But think about this: healthy people don't have to quote unquote try not to be abusive. They just aren't abusive. They just aren't abusive as a naturally occurring result of the healthy thinking and attitudes that they live with. By the way, motives. Let's talk about motivation for a second. What is the motivation for an unhealthy person to try not to be abusive? Is it just their concern about other people's feelings and stuff like that? Why are they so worried that given enough time around others, they will be abusive and mean? And why does that bother them? And why do they try not to do that? Is it just pure concern for other people's feelings? In other words, is what is driving this desire and fear just the fact that they genuinely care about other people as individuals? Well, again, it goes back to worth. Remember, where does the unhealthy person's sense of worth have to come from? We've already talked about it, haven't we? It has to come from what other people think. When the, other, when the unhealthy person can't sustain the act of happy and friendly for long enough, <clears throat> and finally breaks down and acts abusive and mean, in the mind of that unhealthy person, what has just happened? What has just happened is that he or she has caused the people that he's just been abusive toward to think negatively of him or her, right? What does his worth depend on? It depends on what other people think. Now, because from his or her point of view, his or her worth is determined by what other people think, from his perspective, what has just happened to his worth? It's gone down even more, hasn't it? In other words, he was already worthless, but now he's even more worthless. Why? Because people are thinking poorly of him. Do you see how the problem... It, it all goes back to this false understanding of how human value works. You know, it isn't like in the true nature of worth for people isn't like commercial worth where what people think grant a thing value or diminish its value. The unhealthy, this commercial value system being applied to people, the only thing that can lead to 
we're going to do a, so now we're going to trace the the way that this false belief system plays out all right and tie it into um, sabotaging what is the only thing that an inappropriate understanding of how human value works what is the only thing that can lead to remember we said it can only lead to self-loathing right because you're worthless and we don't value worthless things it's completely contrary to what something that we perceive truly is worthless the way we treat it the way we view it the way we treat it so it can only lead to self-loathing when you view yourself as worthless what can self-loathing only lead to we talked about that too didn't we can only lead to acting why you cannot reveal yourself your your true self to other people unfiltered through an act you, you can't reveal it just plain to people why not because the only thing that can lead to is rejection you're worthless you loathe yourself now now what you got to do you got to act for the people around you why you got to act for people around you because you you cannot bring yourself to let them see you for real you can't it's impossible for you to, to say you know I have no value whatsoever none no inherent value you cannot live with that belief system and go on to then willingly and purposefully share your true self with people it can't happen so the only thing it can lead to is acting for others and what is the only thing that acting for others can lead to and I would like to say this the only time that people get a break unhealthy people get a break from this acting is when they're by themselves so think about the times that you or maybe somebody that you care about has been in these social situations or whatever and they 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 get home and they're just exhausted exhausted or think about their frustration how towards the end of a long uh, social gathering or something how almost desperate they are to get away and get some time to themselves. Why? Why do they have such that intense desire to do that? Because it's the only time that they can let their hair down and be themselves. Is when they're by themselves. It's the only time they feel safe to do that. So, what can acting for others only lead to? Well, it can only lead to <clears throat> exhaustion and superficial false qualities. Yeah, because you're, like, let's say that you're being patient with somebody. You're not really a patient person. You're acting patient for them. Loving. It's, it's an act. Um, now, now, I'm not saying that the, an unhealthy person doesn't have those things in his heart or her heart. You know, like, <clears throat> boy, I wish I were patient. I wish that I were more loving. I wish that I was more kind uh, they, they may live with those good qualities that, 
the desire for those good qualities in their hearts. I'm not saying that these are evil people just because they have an emotional disorder. But what I'm saying is that they cannot develop these qualities for real. The best they can do is act them out. So again, it's kind of like a wheel we're going around. We started with an improper understanding of human value. That led to self-loathing. The self-loathing leads to acting for others. The acting for others leads to superficial false qualities and acting. What's that lead to? Exhaustion. What can exhaustion only lead to? Breaking down and acting abusively. By acting abusively, what does it confirm to the person who lives with this completely erroneous belief system? It confirms that they're worthless. And now, do you see, we're all the way back to the beginning, aren't we? Where did it start? It really starts with an inappropriate, false understanding of human worth, which leads to self-loathing, meaning I'm worthless, and which leads to self-loathing and around and around and around until we get back to what? Now you now they've been abusive. Their value, remember, is based on what? It's based on what other people think. So now you've been abusive and people are thinking negatively of you. Your worth is takes an even bigger hit, doesn't it? Your worth depends on what other people think. And now people hate you. <laughs> they don't like you they're, or they're annoyed with you or they're thinking negatively of you at the very least. And so what happens to your sense of worth? It takes a nosedive and now you're back to the very beginning, isn't it? And what's that the only thing that can lead to? <laughs> around and around we go. It's the same thing. It's just like a wheel. And now it's a self-sustaining wheel. The cycle will continue like that forever until the end of time. In the past I've talked about that as the wheel, the merry-go wheel of shame. The good thing is you can get off that merry-go-round. Yes. And the way you start is you start by tackling this false belief system of how human value works. Um, let's see, what's our time? 50 minutes, all right. Now there's something here, as, as long as we're talking about <clears throat> these two value system types, have you ever heard the argument about the, particip the participation trophy effect? Oh, Braddy just let another bomb go. <laughs> oh my gosh. This has been a rough night, I tell you. Oh gosh. Oh boy. Woo, 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 dog. That's probably where that expression comes from. Woo, doggy. The participation trophy effect. Now, I want to tell you. This is an interesting topic because I do not endorse or support the idea that everybody should get a participation trophy for everything they do. But somebody asked, I think this was on Twitter the other day, said, interesting question, what do you think? Do you tell kids they are special in their own way exactly as they are, or do you tell them they need to improve themselves, build a skill stack? etc. in order to be special. There's a logical fallacy in the question. D. 
Did you catch it? Did you catch it? The question is being asked by a person who does not understand that there are two distinct value system types and that one applies to people and other things and then the other one applies to commercial things and other things. Let me read the question again. Do you tell kids they're special in their own way exactly as they are? Or do you tell them they need to improve themselves, build a skill stack, etc. in order to be special? What's the logical fallacy? Logical fallacy is there's only one value system type. That's, that's the, the belief system that the person asking the question has. Let me ask you a question. Is my value as a baseball player the same as my value as a person? Aha! Aha! Now we're getting somewhere. When we're talking about your value as a baseball player, what are we talking about? We're talking about your commercial value. Commercial value. We're not talking about your value as a person, as an individual. We're talking about your value as a baseball player. Remember, in the past, I've made distinctions for you about uh, movie stars. When, when you become a movie star, like, let's take Brad Pitt. Is Brad Pitt only worth... Is the only value that matters around Brad Pitt his popularity as a movie star? How much money his movies can sell and those sorts of things? No, see, that's, that's the error in thinking. A person who thinks that, so let's say that he loses his popularity and he goes broke. And you say, well, Brad Pitt's not worth as much as he used to be. As a movie star. As a movie star, you're right. As a person, you're wrong. As a person, you're wrong. As a, when you're a movie star, you are a commercial, you're, you're, you're a product. You're a commercial product. So people and our roles are two different things. Uh, people and, you know... <laughs> He's going to set the bed sheets on fire, I'll tell you. <laughs> I hope you see what I'm saying. The question is... It's disturbing because, of course, you tell kids they are special in their own way. You know why? Because they are. As individuals, there's nobody like them on earth. Their value as an individual is inherent to them. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't depend on what people think. It doesn't depend on what they can do or can't do. It doesn't depend on a skill stack or any of their self-improvements that they might make or the things they learn or how well they can do things. Uh, their their value and this is apply, this is true for you too it's true for all people your value as a person is completely distinct from any commercial notions of value and worth so of course you parents out there you have kids you tell them every day just how special and unique and wonderful they are there's nobody ever been born like them and there never will be again they are absolutely extremely valuable no matter what they do but then you also tell them if you're going to play softball 
your value as a softball player depends on how well you play softball. If they want to grow up and become a lawyer, you tell them. Your value as a lawyer will depend on how well you learn law and practice law. You see, the job value or skill value is not inherent. It has to be earned. But your value as a person does not have to be because it's not based on anything you do or don't do. It's based on what you are. It's based on what you are. Okay? So something to think about there, and that brings us right up to time. And uh, I just realized on the camera here that I look sort of like a, a railroad uh, engine operator with this, uh, this fart mask around my neck like that. Oh my goodness, old bratty boy. I, no, <laughs> you must be having some serious <laughs> things happening inside your, <laughs> inside your guts. <clears throat> Whew, it's going to be a long night, ladies and gentlemen. Folks, always a pleasure talking to you. Um, one last announcement, thelastsymptom.com. That's my website full of free and paid resources. Please support me any way that you can so that I can keep doing this. One way you can do that, a very simple way you can do that, is by uh, joining our online community that I mentioned earlier on Locals. And, um, yeah. Just be sure to go visit thelastsymptom.com and see if there's any good stuff over there for you. Uh, you have the opportunity to talk to me one-on-one -on, -one on a phone conversation or a Zoom conversation. And of course, there's the two-week intensive, The Last Symptom Fundamentals course. It's pre-recorded, works with your schedule. It's done a lot of good for a lot of people. Uh, you can check that out over thelastsymptom.com. Had a story to tell you, but boy, we used up the time, didn't we? Hope you folks uh, be good, take care, and I'll see you real soon either here or over on our group. Good night, everybody. <laughs>